Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the very first GPN podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Babson. I'm the Senior Research Associate and co-founder of the GPN, and we're based at University of Pennsylvania. And at the Graduate School of Education in particular, and um, we're based in the Applied Psychology Department specifically, um, I've been at Penn for, well, about 11 years now, since 2012. And um, I co-founded the GPN with Mike Nuckala, who's the chair of the Applied Psychology Department, um, and several other colleagues, Flavio Sarapau and uh, Annie Danilchik. And so this is our third year. We founded it in 2020. And um, we decided that it would be good to invite people that are writing and talking about interesting things in the field of human development just broadly. Um, does that mean getting a promotion? Does that mean starting a new business? Does that mean just flourishing in your relationships or any other part of your life? And so uh, for the first choice, for our first podcast ever, um, it was kind of a, I don't know, maybe a lucky or easy choice for me because my friend and neighbor, Randy Ornstein and his wife, Haley, just happened to write a killer new book called Grow. Uh, how to get promoted at work. And I think that this is a perfect topic for us because even though possibility development, which is basically the, um, you know, how you create possibilities in your life and you go after them, even though that is something everyone can do, it's really important for young people that are starting out. They're figuring out what they want to do with their lives. They want to put together a life plan. They want to design their lives. And so what kind of caring and actionable and solid advice is out there for young people, especially when they're making that transition from school to work. So I just want to welcome you, Randy and Haley, to the very first GPM podcast. Thank you for coming on today. And of course. Uh, yeah. No, it's Thank great. To have Thank you, you, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. I would just like to to say a little bit more um, about the book itself. So Here's the book right here. I'm going to put it on camera. It's called Grow, The Essential Guide to Getting Promoted. And it's published by River Grove Books. It just came out. It's hot off the press. Uh, it came out in late January. And it's available on Amazon. So Randy is the Senior Director of Alcohol at GoPuff, which is a fast-rising player in the world of uh, instant services, food and beverage, etc., uh, it's based here in Philadelphia, and I'm going to hand it over to Randy to talk about himself a little bit. Um, and then after that, Randy, if you wouldn't mind, pass the baton over to your wife, Haley. Haley is a PhD in counseling psychology, and she co-wrote the book with Randy. As a matter of fact, from from what I know, she lent her scholarly and writing skills to really doing a lot of the a lot of the background and research part of the book and helping to really structure the book. Um, to to highlight Randy's experience and his ideas. So, um, but yeah, let's get back to you, Randy. Let's start with you. Pleasure to be on, Andrew, and yeah. honored to be your first guest ever on this Absolutely. podcast and uh, first podcast I've ever done with my wife Haley. So special Hopefully. special occasion here. Uh, but but like you said, I, I currently work at GoPuff. I, I spent my career in the beverage industry twenty two years. Uh, working for Anheuser-Busch, the largest brewer in the world. 
And at that company, I spent 15 years there and I got promoted seven different times um, throughout my career from an entry-level category space manager position uh, to my last role uh, being vice president of Beyond Beer Sales and also ran other VP positions, managing our Walmart business and non-alcohol business. And over the years, I was asked to give a keynote speech to recent college graduates that entered Anheuser-Busch and went through a six-month training program. And at the end of that program, there was a graduation. And I would usually present one slide on, here's tips that I learned at Anheuser-Busch to move up the ladder. It was one slide. One would be like data's power and here's how to use data effectively. One would be be persistent and here's how to uh, you know, be persistent with your peers or your or your manager. And over the years, as after, you know, whether it was in a meeting or just casual, some of those graduates would come up to me and say, Randy, I still remember those tips that you provided me. In fact, I was just in Phoenix over the weekend and, and they even years after I left AB and someone came up to me just this past weekend who I literally talked to 10 years ago saying, I still follow the tips that you have provided. And so that kept happening and happening and sticking. And I eventually formalized it a little bit more to formally present it to my team as new hires happened. Even as I've moved to GoPuff, I've taken those tips and shared them with my team or new employees. And, and about five years ago, it, it hit to, now let's formalize this for the world and, and for all viewers that are looking to uh, better themselves, be a better employee, and maybe they're stuck at their job and need an extra edge, or maybe it's a manager that wants to get their employees um, stronger. Really, the the goal of the book, as I mentioned, is to provide employees with tips on how to do their job better, whether it's everyday excellence, mm -hmm. a normal workday, or going above and beyond and trying to do things that will wow not only your peers, but your boss and your leadership with the hopes and goal of you moving up the corporate ladder. Mm. Awesome. What we wanted to do at the GPN was, was talk with people that are writing about or have done something interesting in their lives that reflect this idea of possibility development, which is you're not only imagining what you want for yourself and you're really focusing a lot on keeping an open mind, you know, that cliche of blue sky, but that real committing very hard to that blue sky type thinking, but also bringing that together with also maybe the opposite, which is prioritizing and really cutting away things that are going to deter you from a particular goal. And then what often is lacking is the support and the assistance. And that could be emotional support of, hey, you know, I'm not really a natural planner where I'm not naturally goal-oriented, but I really do want to reach this goal, right? So getting that support. And then finally, figuring out how you did or figuring out why you might be stuck and really evaluating that in an objective way. And so I thought, wow, I mean, interviewing you guys about this book would be perfect because not only is the process of writing a book, not only does it take all of what I just said, but the book itself is about developing possibilities for yourself at work. Um, and if you cultivate certain mindsets or certain skills, 
you can actually open doors for yourself, right? Um, so back over to you, Randy. Um, this kind of leads me to, I mean, one maybe personal question of, was there some kind of experience that you had or maybe the way you were raised or just your personality that, that kind of led you to want to help other people? Uh, and I just say that because, I mean, I think, I think the average person is fairly, you know, caring and interested in other people. But I think, you know, when you talk about, hey, you know, I met this person that worked with me X amount of years ago and they said, hey, they really helped me. You know, my question is, is that just your personality that you wanted to give back? Or maybe you could kind of unpack that one a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, I don't think there's like one situation that that hit. I think I've always, I, I've moved up the, the ladder, but I was always on the younger side of things. Mm -hmm. So I was one of the youngest vice presidents at Anheuser-Busch. And I think that I just gravitated towards always trying to, help my team succeed. I'm, you know, I tried to be a caring person. I, you know, I, growing up, I was a counselor at, at camp, uh, you know, oh, okay. in my early twenties, cool. I, I, for some reason, it's just something that that's hit me that I, I like seeing people succeed. I've been a manager for, you know, I've worked for 22 years, but been a manager for 20 years. And okay. so, you know, every year you go through an employer review process, you know, part of your goal as a manager is to help your employees get promoted and move up. You want them to succeed. They want to make more money. And you're trying to navigate how they could do that, whether it's on your team or other teams and find them new opportunities. And so I'm like constantly listening. I mean, even this morning I was on the phone with a, of, of a woman that's looking um, at new opportunities within my organization. And she's asking me for advice. Uh, as, as her manager to figure out uh, what is the right fit. And so I think I, I just gravitated towards that. And I had great mentors over the years that gave me the time um, mm -hmm. to speak about how I could move up the ladder. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to pay that back. And I I also, it, it's like giving the, if someone talks to me, like I'm going to focus and spend 30 minutes or an hour helping them. It's not going to be like a five minute thing where they say, oh, Randy, you know, he met with me, but he wasn't even listening. And now he's going to, you know, it just wasn't helpful at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I go back to that example. I said five or so minutes ago when I was in Phoenix this past weekend at an event and literally this guy came up to me, his name is Ryan. And he's like, Randy, I don't know if you remember me. But on my first week of the job at Anheuser-Busch, I met with you to talk about Walmart as a, it was an account that I was managing at the time. And you spent 90 minutes with me talking about, um, you know, the, the data that I was working on. And I was like, I honestly don't even remember that conversation, but he did. And he even came up to me to tell me 10 years later. And he's like, ever since that moment, I, you know, I, I've never forgotten. I, and I really wanted to just thank you for that. Um, opportunity. And I always thought of you as like this real guy that, that would listen and, and care for, you know, for the employees at the company. That's great, man. You know, and um, I have to say from a, from a business point of view, I'm thinking, I'm just going to put on my hat of balance sheet, you know, 
profit loss, bottom line kind of thinking of how, how does investing in your employees, how does that actually help your business? And as I was reading the book, you know, that was something that was crossing my mind of what would a person who is a manager reading this book who might want to help their younger charges at work, how would you kind of convince them that this is going to be something that is going to benefit the company financially, which benefits everybody, right? And my first answer to myself was something like, well, I guess it's a convergence of interests um, that here's my guess. And I want you to kind of comment on it. Um, the guess is that if you invest in your employees and they know that you, you know, care about them and their success, aren't you going to be able to retain good employees? Aren't good employees going to be able to say, you know what, this is a company where if I wanted to move my way up and I wanted to improve, there are going to be people that are going to be responsive to that. It's really hard to hire people, get them trained and at the same level as your current employees. And so I would rather strengthen the employees that I have, make sure that they're stars than having gaps on my team, taking months to interview, time out of my day, then hire and then train, which then takes another few months. It's, it's a whole long process. And at GoPuff, we've uh, added so much headcount over the years. It, it, it's been a constant training, training, training. Mm-hmm. And now we're at a pretty good place where the bulk of my team has been there at least one year. And it, I think they're a very strong team and, and I don't have to keep doing that process. So yeah, I think also the stronger your team, the easier it is for, for the manager as well, because you're sure. not doing their work. You, you can now rely on them to help you with the work that you're providing your management. You know, next, next week I'm presenting to our leadership team on our alcohol performance. And while yes, I could do the entire creation of the presentation and present on my own, I want to utilize the team that I have and help me. Why, why should I spend 15, 20 hours doing yeah. this where I could spread the love, you know, still manage the team, but get other, everyone to support. So I'm not, uh, you know, working long hours just to get this done. And, and if sure. you have a strong team and you could trust them, then I think uh, it'll make your life easier and then your team will succeed and show up maybe other competitive teams or, or complimentary teams out there to, to show, Hey, look at, look at that team. They're really striving and, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're going places in this company. Yeah. Cool. You know, you, you actually uh, teed me up pretty well there because the next topic I was going to bring up was just the general tension between collaboration and competition. So I think that on the one hand, human beings, this is just me kind of philosophizing for a quick sec. But, you know, I think human beings are both naturally collaborative and naturally competitive. In other words, those impulses exist in everybody. And so I, I guess kind of putting it back, back to you, I, you know, I decided to focus on this chapter five about teams and team, team building because I think one of, the, one of the ideas behind possibility development is that it's not just your success is never just about your own particular effort. It's 
you are you are always collaborating with people in one way or another. Now, does that negate a a, a special effort on the part of an individual, an individual who has prioritized and sacrificed in order to produce good work and add value? Um, absolutely not. Um, but it is sort of like a a thing that you kind of juggle, or 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 there's like a little balance to be struck there, I guess. Um, could you maybe elaborate a little bit more on this we versus I idea? Um, because I could easily see someone who's quite competitive saying, you know, I want that bonus or I want that promotion. And there's only one, um, you know, a, a vice president opening coming up over the next five years. And I want that position. Um, but at the same time, you also want to foster a spirit at your company of collaboration. You want people to be happy at work. If, if you're too competitive, that could probably take away from, from, mm -hmm. you know, building trust. Maybe dive into that. Yeah, one. I do think Thanks. there's a balance there where, you know, in, in organizations that I've worked at, I've always been part of a team. I've never been like a sole individual contributor on my own doing 100% of the work. And when I'm given a project, even if I'm doing the majority of the work, I'm still sending it to my team to review it, make sure this makes sense, make any edits or changes before I send it on. And I think it shows uh, when I give a project to an employee, even though there might be a, an, an owner of that project, I expect them to work with their colleagues to put it together. And, and I say like, I don't care who you work with, but you know, spread the love and make it a team, build it together because more you know, eyeballs on it, more brains on it, more diversity on it will will help that project better succeed in, in the environment that we're at today. And so I've personally always, when I sat in a meeting and I heard someone present something that they're in there, it's I, 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 I did this, I did that. When I know that actually, yes, you might be leading the project, but other people helped you, mm -hmm. it just turns me the wrong way. Yeah. And yet there's a time where you say, I, I think you say, I, when you're one-on-one -on -one with your boss, Mm -hmm. And, and you're saying, you know, I, I want you to, while we worked on the team, I want you to know that, you know, the majority of this was, it, it's good to promote yourself right. in those one-on-one -on -one meetings. Right. But I think in a more team effort, mm -hmm. uh, it shows more collaboration. It, it shows to your team if they've helped you, okay, you're, you're recognizing me as well when right. you're using we in more of a, a bigger setting. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've gravitated and something I'll continue to do. And I've mentioned the book. I mean, I'll even write emails to my team or my boss where after I'm finished writing the email, I'll go back and change the eyes to wheeze. Even mm -hmm. if I did majority of the work, mm -hmm. it just I just feel that it shows a more team and collaborative effort. Mm -hmm. And um and and to you know, I think that's one of the ways I've I've moved up, quite frankly. You know, if I had to distill, for me anyway, the two big themes of the book were um, developing good people skills, um, but also knowing how to work with information and, and present it well. You know, maybe a, there might be a third theme here, actually, which is like, I think doing some of the little things well, um, you know, developing good habits. Um, but I think those two big themes. So, uh, and I just wanted to, pass the baton back over to you, Haley, because 
you know, as a PhD, as someone trained in research and how to base uh, arguments on information and on data, um, what were some of the really interesting pieces of data that you found or research ideas that you found when you were doing some background research um, for the book, you know, in terms of um, maybe uh, maybe there's a certain idea that was interesting for you, a growth mindset perhaps, or maybe something else. I'll just hand it over to you. The chapter which I found the most um, research backing, and see, I we had kind of had all of the, the book and his ideas mm-hmm. kind of outlined, but then we had to go through and find some support. You know, and yeah. so is just Randy yeah. thinking of these things. So mm-hmm. I went through all the areas and trying to see where is there a lot of empirical backing. And and sometimes th- there wasn't, you know, things like respond quickly to emails. There just wasn't right. a, a breadth of <laughs> yeah. academic body regarding I don't think we need that. a white paper to There actually was, though, yeah. an interesting yeah. Yeah. article about... <laughs> sure. uh, <laughs> people who respond uh what was it the if your boss responds quickly to your emails they have the highest um IQ no it was like they have the highest um you know like rating like you rated your boss highest if they yeah. respond quickly to emails but on yeah. a side note this idea of helping your team succeed and being positive at mm-hmm. work mhm there was a large body of business and psychology research behind that that I honestly wasn't aware of. Randy's initial outline was, I think the idea was don't be negative at work. And so I was trying to look up what's the research behind that. And I was like, okay, well, I couldn't find a lot of research on don't be negative, but there was a ton of research on how being positive affects not only your individual well-being, but actually your productivity of your team and your company. What if you're just kind of a naturally sarcastic person or just sort of cynical? Um, in other words, I, I, I want to kind of play with that idea for a second in that some people are just maybe more wired to be that way. And so I'm reading the book as this kind of like an average person of like, yeah, I've got my good days and my bad days. And, you know, um, I'm not going to say what a wonderful hailstorm it is outside or, you know, this 37 degree weather with a wintry mix is just, you know, just what I was hoping for today. Um, right. So anything on that, you know, um, from what I, let me just, I'll maybe prime a little bit. What I got from the book is that you could probably learn some skills about that. You know, you can pick up some habits of mind. Right. Right. And I think there's a, I think you have to balance being authentic and not being fake because these are real relationships you're having Mm -hmm. with your coworkers. Right. And when you can have real, meaningful, authentic relationships, I feel that probably leads to a strong team. Mm -hmm. But there's also, I'm sure, thinking back on my own career, I remember, um, before I started drinking coffee in my early 20s, I'd show up to morning meetings just like a zombie. I wouldn't talk to anyone. It was like, I'm here, so I'm here. Versus if I could go back in time, mm-hmm. trying a little bit harder 
to be present, even when I wasn't in Mm -hmm. the best mood for whatever reason, to just Mm -hmm. kind of get over myself Mm -hmm. and engage and be happy. And I think at the end of the day, it improves our own mood. It does. There's no question about it. Yeah. When we kind of challenge ourselves to participate and to say, you know, to compliment someone on the team who gave some input. And I think when we, and it's a very uh, self-perpetuating cycle that if you engage in behaviors consistent with being in a bad mood, you're going to, it's going to reinforce being in a bad mood. Right. Yep. And that just, yeah. And that's, that's kind of the crux of what we do in counseling too, is trying to identify behaviors Mm -hmm. that sometimes it's not always changing your thinking. Mm -hmm. And then that changes your behavior. Sometimes it's just doing the behavior right? and that in itself can change the neurochemical balance of our brains Mm -hmm. to make us have a different framework Mm -hmm. in our minds. Yeah, absolutely. And I just love this idea that you brought up, Haley, about authenticity. I think that if you are able to forge good relationships at work with trust, where you're respectful, there are certain pillars of good relationships that maybe for another podcast, but um, if you show mutual respect, if you, uh, I mean, politeness is is underrated. Um, there's actually a whole field of politeness studies, by the way. I, some people may not know that. Yeah. Um, but in other words, I think when you put in an effort to be positive, people recognize that. People recognize people get to know you over time. They say, well, you know, um, they if if they're saying something positive or if they're putting in an effort, then I'm noticing that. And I I am recognizing um that they're, you know, they're doing something to make things better. Um going back to what you were saying, Randy. Do you have any maybe just general ideas about how you've been able to build authentic relationships? I mean, this is something that may not come that easily to many people. And so here we are in a podcast. Maybe you can just share just kind yeah. of casually, you know? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I'm an introvert at heart. I'm not that much of a talker. I think when I'm in larger settings, even with friends, I tend not to talk as much as others. But I think in, in a one-on-one situation is really where I could connect with the individual. And and I think that's where I've I've thrived. And so I tend to build my relationships uh, one-on-one and you have to be proactive in um, schedule. You know, in this virtual environment that we are now, it's a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. And so you have to constantly set up Zoom meetings with peers or leadership to talk about things that you're working on or things that you need help. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're in an office, it's a lot easier to find someone in the in the stairwell or in the kitchen or in the bathroom to take a few minutes. And I, I tell new new employees or that are joining my team, make sure you reach out and and talk to different people, not only in your department, but others. In fact, there's a there's a woman just who just um, joined our finance team, um, I'm going to start to work with her more closely. And she proactively set up a one-on-one with me actually later today um, to get to know me, to figure out how she could help me uh, and us succeed as a team. 
And so I, I really value yeah. that. And yeah. I think it's, you know, everyone builds relationships differently. For me, it's it's a more of a one-on-one setting versus a team environment. I just do better in, in the relationship building one-on-one. And then it's, it's also about, uh, I, you know, I make an effort to make sure that I'm known and I speak up in meetings, whether it's even adding a comment if I don't have a question. I think uh, it's important for, for your boss or for your team know that you're there and you're adding value mm-hmm. versus just someone sitting there probably working on the side, not even listening. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a little formula in my head of, you know, you add value, but when it comes time to taking credit, um, that you kind of spread the wealth. You know, something else that I've learned, I I'm, I might as well jump in and share something I've learned is that people know the people who count generally know that you have been putting in the extra work or that you've been adding value. They're usually keeping some kind of score. That's been my general experience. I could be wrong. Everyone's experience is mm-hmm. different, but what do you think about that? Do you think that that, that rings true that you could see a younger person that is adding value in meetings and, you know, giving credit to the team, you know, reflecting that it is a, could, are you the kind of manager that would notice that? And do you think most managers are kind of like that? I, I do think you would know um, who's adding value. Those are usually the people that when they're sending out an email, maybe on the project that was just completed, they're, they're giving shout outs to like, thank you also to these three people that helped me out. Mm-hmm. You know, every Friday I have a team meeting and the first five minutes of the, of the team meeting, we, we, call, we do shout outs and I open up the floor and anyone on the team could give a shout out to someone else that's, that's there. And it's more to recognize them for their hard work on a project or, or whatever it is over the week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, there, there's people that every week they're giving shout outs and there's people that have, I haven't heard a shout out from them in a year. And so, you know, <laughs> I, I remember those things and mm-hmm. I like people that are outspoken, that are, that are um, recognizing others and that are, again, adding value. And, and the people that are just uh, silent and just want to be an individual contributor. Maybe they don't want to get promoted and they're just there um, to get a paycheck, but I'm looking for people to grow, do better and, and move up. On the one hand, Randy, you say that you're an introvert, but on the other hand, I see you as being kind of extroverted too. And I am not trained as a psychologist, FYI. I'm trained as an anthropologist. So I, <laughs> Haley, maybe you could talk more about this, but, um, but Maybe they're, do you think maybe some people are introverted and don't want to speak up and maybe have a hard time promoting themselves or have a hard time speaking up and, and saying, you know, um, what about Mm -hmm. those people? Um, so, I mean, one of the, one of those questions is a little more complicated (laughs) about, you know, how does Randy feel comfortable setting up one-on-ones with people when he's introverted? Right. Um, but the other one is maybe just more general for the introvert. In, in an office setting, you know, how do you, how can you, what would you say to that person who's maybe quiet or uh, modest and doesn't want to draw attention to themselves? Yeah, I, I've, I think I also have this competitive drive and edge, you know, growing up, I did cross country and track. And so while it was an individual sport, it's, it's part of a team 
team sport. It's like the, the mix of individual and team. Right. Yeah. That's very interesting. And I, I always like push myself to move harder. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I think my first years of in the workforce, I didn't really care. You know, I, I, I just wanted a paycheck and then hang out with my friends at night. I was living in Chicago and I was more having fun. And when I got my first I'm promotion, yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, this is like, I, I wanted this. It was like a game, you know, quite frankly, a game for me. Like, sure. All right. How could I continue to move up? Like it was a drive and I wanted to do well. I wanted to, my peers to see me do well. I wanted to make more money and I, I wanted to to thrive. And and so I've had to go out of my comfort zone a lot. Um, you know, I, I do think that I'm quiet, but I know that I have to speak up in order to be noticed. And some, you know, early on it was tougher. I, I don't think I was a great public speaker growing up either. And I think now I've I've excelled in giving presentations and and knowing what the audience is looking for. I, I think I'm more of a call it street smarts than book smarts. And so I've kind of figured out you know, I don't want to say how to game the system, but what my leadership is looking for that will excite them. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I think it's it's telling these um, employees that are quieter that might be your nature and how you interact, but you have you have to speak up. Like you're gonna have to go outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, trying like every meeting that you're in say something, you know, start with like one sentence or a comment. Mm-hmm. And then over time, you know, like eventually you should be leading meetings and and, and training yourself on how to do that. And I, I, I just don't see people that are very quiet and just stick to themselves and don't build relationships and connections. I don't see those people getting promoted maybe once or twice, but to move up the ladder to leadership positions is I don't see that in the the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Excellent. It's really valuable. Um, this maybe this is a perfect time to segue. Haley, if you don't mind, um, you sent me a really nice kind of breakdown of points that were really good for um, for younger workers making that transition to the workplace, and we've already covered a few of them. I can speak to some of those habits that maybe we had. As students, I spent more of my life in school, college, and graduate school than I have probably spent in the workforce. And one of the learning experience for me going through the book was seeing how almost like a different set of rules is in place and a different Mm -hmm. set of rules to succeed in the workplace exists versus in academic setting. Mm. And some of those um, different mindsets, Mm -hmm. I think influence some of our behaviors. And going back to being positive, Mm -hmm. it, it didn't really matter if I was in class, if I was in a bad mood, if I had a grimace mm-hmm. on my face sure. <laughs> through the whole <laughs> class if i sure. could pull it out you know mm-hmm. at, on tests if i could participate well enough yeah. i did well and you know right. you could get all a's and mm-hmm. and it's not as compartmentalized in the business world or in a job i shouldn't yep. just say to business point. 
Sure. Is you're dealing with people every day. Right. And um and you're working together on a team and it's mm-hmm. it's every every project is a group project. Mm-hmm. Even if you're doing it individually cuz it's influencing a whole team. Right. And one of the things about being positive is you know, you know you never know how people interpret other people's negative interactions. Mm. They internalize it. Like someone mm. didn't say hi to them. Mm. Oh, they they must be mad at me. You know, and that can bring the whole team down. I know it does not always the situation, but sure. you never know right. how your negativity could be misinterpreted right. to other people and kind of made into a bigger thing than it needs to be. And it kind of might bring the whole team down. Yeah. Um, because yeah, as a student, you're just you're working for your own grade. It's definitely not a team environment and if it is a group project when that project is done you're back to just working for yourself mm-hmm. yeah it's a I, I like the way you put that you're just back to working for yourself um, yeah and so there's a lot of different areas where i had identified you know that it might be helpful for a student to kind of be aware mm-hmm. of some of the mindsets that have been internalized for what it takes to do well because mm-hmm. it's been ingrained through school. And then all of right. a sudden you're jumping into the workforce and there's a new set of rules that right. no one's ever told you about. Right. You know, like speaking up or um, uh, what were some of the other ones that came up? <laughs> like uh, right. homework, like going above and beyond. Yeah. yeah. Like exactly. no one would ever do more than was required right. for a homework assignment. Right. But, as yeah. I was learning through Randy's insight and writing his book that in the workforce, it's, it's, it's good to do more than what's expected. Right. Yeah. Yes. That was a big point um, that came out in, in prior conversations that we've had about, um, yeah, that, that you, if you do just what's required, I think it's even mentioned in the, in the introduction, you know, in the very first, in the beginning of the book, Randy, you you mentioned that you know doing going above and beyond it makes a good impression, and if you can do it, you should definitely do it. One of the yeah. things, like I'm asked questions all the time about my business or what's going on, mm-hmm. and yeah, I could answer that question, uh, but I'm also trying to anticipate then when I send this answer, what are the follow up questions that they might be providing, hmm. and and I try and uh, tell my team that as well. Don't just answer the question that you're given but then anticipate other questions that will be driven from the data that you're presenting and try and answer those as well. And right. that's, that's one way that you could uh, go above and beyond by, uh, oh, yeah, thank you for that. You know, it, it actually helps with communication too because you're not going back and forth and it gets a little frustrating um, sometimes when that happens. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, another thing that... Uh, uh, Tying what you just said, Randy, into Haley, what you were talking about too, I think of ac- academic progress as like a like a river. Like you kind of you get on the you get on the raft or you get on the boat, and time and effort just kind of takes you automatically to your degree. You know, if you just do this and you do this, then you get this right. But mm-hmm. that mindset is <laughs> that is an unusual situation. It doesn't work that way 
once you are out of that environment, right? You could do everything right and not get what you want, quote unquote. Right. Or you could have the perfect plan and it doesn't work out. Or you could follow all the advice in this book and it wouldn't come to you quickly. It might happen over time. But, you know, reading the book and just, you know, basing on my own experience, I would say that if if you really if if an if a if a person picking up this book and actually if they followed like even 75%, even 50% of the advice in this book, I'm, I would be, I would go so far, I would be so bold as to say that something good would come out of it. Absolutely. And I'd be remiss to not point out that there are structural barriers that people face and, um, you know, just being extremely um, sort of subjective in this moment, you know, looking at myself as a person who's had a lot of privilege in their lives. Um, you know, I grew up in a middle-class family. I identify as a middle-class person. So, you know, it's not as if um, privilege automatically equals everything is great. No one's saying that. But there are young people out there um, that will be facing barriers. And so that is that does tie into possibility development in the sense that we we do want anyone that we would talk with about possibility development we would want them to know that recognizing barriers is important it's it's important to say we recognize that you have barriers and we that is going to be part of that support part of possibility development um, how can we help remove barriers? One of the great things about this book, indeed, is is about agency and about empowering. And one of the things that I've tried to tell my kids, if they don't like a particular subject or what have you, is that it gives you options. It gives you options. It's not an automatic problem solver, but this is a toolkit to, to open up doors and open up new possibilities for yourself. It's, it's not necessarily the solution to a problem. It's about increasing the probability that you will be promoted at work or that you will, um, that you will flourish in your given endeavor. Any final thoughts from either of you today? I, we've had a, a wine raging conversation. Final thoughts. <laughs> I don't, I don't be careful before deciding to write a book. <laughs> if that's, if that is your return on financial Man. investment for your time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to lead any young minds in the wrong direction. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I learned a lot writing it. Um, just from Randy's kind of pearls of wisdom. Um, because I haven't been in the workforce as long as Randy and haven't had the breadth of experience that he has. So I feel like um, right now I'm not in the workforce. I'm busy writing my husband's books. But when I'm, I feel like when I do go back in, I'm going to be mm-hmm. at a different level, just having read and been immersed in the content of the book. Yeah. And I, and I would say, Andrew, that, and I'm very excited for the outcome of where it is. And I really, without Haley, I don't even think this book would have gotten published, but 
you know, it's, it's really nice now being out there for a few weeks, friends, colleagues, or strangers writing notes to me saying that how, how they enjoyed the book, how they're now buying it for their employees. And I'm doing uh, different podcasts with different organizations as well, or lunch and learns to share knowledge with the book recruiting companies are interested in, you know, using this book um, for people that are looking at new jobs. And, and so, yeah, maybe we have something there. I think, I think so far the perception has been great. I think it's, uh, in my mind, we're just getting started. You know, I, I think of it as three different groups that we're going after. One is recent college graduates that are looking for an extra edge as they enter the workforce and don't have the skills that that I had also at 22. I think it's- Yes, people, I can vouch for that too. Yeah. It's <laughs> people that have been working for five, eight years. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've only been promoted once or or no times and- mm -hmm. You know, they, they want to do more, but they just don't know how. Sure. And so they're looking for, again, an extra edge. And then I think it's it's leaders or managers that have a team, but mm -hmm. are trying to make their team stronger. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to go after all three groups to, at the end of the day, if your employees are stronger, your team is stronger, your company is stronger, and maybe this will do some good out there. So, you know, buy the book. Grow the essential guide to getting promoted on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Porchlight Books, even on Walmart and Target.com as well. Excellent. I can't believe that I'm talking to my friends and neighbors on a podcast about a book that they wrote that is, you know, it's it's a great book. You know, so <laughs> you talk to your friends and uh, you know, um it, it's not every day that you have a friend that that says, Hey, you know, we're we're writing a book. Uh, so that's been really fun to talk with you guys. And I hope that there's talking about adding value. I hope that there's some good nuggets in this podcast today for people to, to refer back to. I think it was very informative, you know, talking to you guys and, um, really appreciate your time. And it was a lot of fun. Good luck with the podcast. I hope we help it, you know, start on the right foot. Sure. Help it grow. Have uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs>